It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Lots to talk about on the podcast this week. We're going to get into our uh, predictions for the Major League Baseball season, even though we're a week into the season. Honor Code says these predictions were made before opening day. Um, so that's what we're going to go with. We'll do that later in the podcast, but we're going to do prospects off to great starts through one week. Rookies, great out of the gate in the major leagues, but we have to start with Tebow mania. We keep saying we're not going to talk about Tebow again, and then he keeps forcing us into it, guys. Uh, two homers in his first three games. Um, it is what it is. I think when you look at Tebow, he's still kind of what we all expected him to be. But Jim Callis, has he at this point at least exceeded to some degree your expectations of what he'd be able to accomplish in professional baseball? I would not go that far. Okay. Because, um, he's, I mean, he's hitting 200 right now in low Class A as a 29-year-old, um, <laughs> albeit with two two home runs in his 20 at-bats. But, like, I, I did come away with uh, – I don't know if respect is the right word. I, I was impressed using the word impressed. I, I'm not qualifying my statement enough here, I guess. Huh? You're using the word impressed loosely. I, I was impressed watching him in the Arizona Fall League that while I, didn't, I, I don't think he's going to play in the major leagues on merit, he did make some adjustments. And, I mean, I, I will give the guy credit. I just think he's pretty fearless when it comes out to putting himself out there. Uh, I, I don't – I mean, I didn't see him come close to hitting a home run or really drive the ball much in the fall league. I, I did see him, you know, work some counts. I did see him realize that he shouldn't roll over on every pitch and try to pull everything. Um, I, I don't think he's a very good base runner or defender. Um, but we'll see. I, I, to exceed my expectations – and maybe I'm cynical. I just found it going going into this whole experiment. Found it hard to believe that he would last a have enough success that would carry him through a full season in the minor leagues. So if he plays this entire season in the minor leagues and is still going after it, that would exceed my expectations. But you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, he's he's got two homers, and other than that, he's two for eighteen with seven strikeouts. Jonathan, how much do you think he benefited from the fact that it, it seemed like he got more time in spring at the major league level than a lot of people anticipated? <laughs> Maybe even Terry Collins, who after his first game, Collins said, that's probably going to be it for Tim Tebow. But then he kept <laughs> bringing him back over game after game for whatever reason because they were down as far as numbers go. So he actually got some extra time at the major league level. Is that something that could be helping him now? Well, it's got to be helping him, sure. I mean, you know, he, he saw just like the advanced pitching he saw in the Fall League, which was the first pitching he had seen since his junior year of high school. Uh, it's all about reps. I don't even know, you know, sure, at the highest level, obviously you can't get better than that, although guys are working on things and getting ready for the season. Um, but he got a sense of what, what that looks like. Uh, you know, with him, he just needs to get as many at-bats as humanly possible. And, 
and we'll see what happens. Listen, he, he's he's really strong. And I, mean, I honestly, I don't know the pitches, what the pitches were that he hit out. Um, but based on what I saw in the fall league, and you know, other some of the other things I saw, I, I would never throw this guy a fastball ever, um, because you know, I think at the lower levels, you're going to have guys who want to try to challenge him, and he's occasionally going to run into a ball because he's strong. It's not bat speed. Um, so every single time I saw him get something off speed or, or a breaking pitch, uh, he, he wasn't doing much with it. Now, he, I agree with Jim. He did make some adjustments, and that was good. But, yeah, seven strikeouts and 20 at-bats, that's uh, 30 – it's almost 32% of the time he's striking out. Uh, and, you know, he's got four hits total, and two of them were those homers. So, uh, you, you know, if, if Jim and I are the ones who are sort of uh, raining on the Tim Tebow parade, so, so be it. Uh, we'll continue to do so. <laughs> keep keep the rain coming here on the Pipeline Podcast. But to his defense, we keep talking about him, so he he at least has that going on. All right, how about some rookies in the major leagues that are off to good starts? And I guess sadly, at this point, uh, a little over a week into the season, there's not a whole lot of them. There's been some struggles as far as rookies go, and of course, adjustments need to be made. But one guy that kind of really stands out. Uh, when you look at the San Diego Padres, and obviously there's plenty of reason for the fan base out there in San Diego to be looking more to the future than the present, but Manuel Margot seems to be both right now. The team's number one prospect, he came over from the Red Sox back in that Craig Kimbrell trade, um, and he is off to a tremendous start. 343, he's batting, heading into Wednesday's action. Three home runs already, three doubles as well. He's got the extra base thing going on, um, and obviously he's a center fielder to boot on top of that. Uh, Jim, we knew this guy was moving pretty quickly. Have you been impressed at all or surprised at, at how well he's hit quickly right out of the gate here as a rookie for the Padres? Yeah, I think for the, for the, the, the power part of it has surprised me. And, and I'll go ahead and put in the disclaimer, Tim and Jonathan and I all realize these are small sample sizes and we're not reading too much into them in case anybody <laughs> wants to tweet at us, like, why are we going crazy over 40 at-bats or so? But, I mean, Margot's always been able to put the bat on the ball. He's actually struck out a little bit more than I would have expected, you know, in this first week or so in the big leagues. But, but three home runs, I wouldn't expect that. Like, coming into the year, if you told me Margot would hit 280, I'd see, yeah, I could believe that. The guy's a really gifted hitter. And I probably would have put the over-under on his home runs at maybe 8 to 10, just because you know, his approach doesn't lend itself. He, he's not – I mean, he has some strength, and, he, and, he, and he, has, he can make some good contact, but it's more of a line drive, you know, you know hit the ball in the gaps approach. But, yeah, no, he's I, – I would think off the top of my head, I mean, you know, just based on the small sample size, of the guys who've actually had regular playing time, he's got to be the most impressive rookie to date. And as far as batters go, Jonathan, there's not a whole lot else. I mean, Andrew Benintendi had, I think, three hits on Tuesday night, finally kind of getting things going. And I think we expect eventually he'll get back to hitting and, and he'll have a good season, obviously the front runner for that American League Rookie of the Year. But Hunter Renfro, okay, Margot's t- teammate in San Diego. Mitch Hanniger, who I, it's not even really a prospect situation, but some some power numbers, three homers. He struck out a ton already for the Mariners. I don't know if anybody else stands out to you or maybe just a, a, a reason. Is this what we usually see early in the season, first couple of weeks from rookies? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's seven games. You know, I think it's you know, the same thing that happens with teams. You know, Teams start out really poorly, and it really jumps off the page because it's at the start of the season. 
uh, a team could lose six out of seven in in June or July, uh, and no one notices. You know, just like uh, Dansby Swanson could have a five for thirty-two stretch. Uh, you know, at some point in the season, and it's not going to make that much of a difference. I think you know a guy like him is going to be just fine. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro has kind of done what I think he thought he would do. He's going to swing and miss. Uh, a decent amount, and he's got a good amount of strikeouts. He hasn't walked yet, but he's got a couple of homers. I think that's what we're going to see. So, uh, you know, Aaron Judge, I think that's about right. You know, a couple of homers. He's hitting 260 over his first seven games. You know, we'll, you know, see what happens as uh, as teams adjust to them. I mean, that's the that's going to be the big key. Is uh, even the guys who have struggled out of the gate. Well, how are they going to adjust to how they're being pitched to? Uh, you know, Josh Bell here in Pittsburgh, you know, performed pretty well last year. Uh, they were careful with how they used him, but uh, he performed well. Uh, they're pitching to him a little bit differently so far this year, and, and he has largely struggled. So let's see how he adjusts. Uh, I think that's what, you know, what, that's what the name of the game is going to be with all these rookies. On the pitching side, actually a little more success. Um, obviously, a lot of times you get these pitchers and they're on teams that are expected to struggle a little bit, but the Rockies are have a lot of rookies in that staff. Kyle Freeland, one start, was pretty good. Um, Antonio Senzatella, very good through a couple of starts. He got his first major league win on Tuesday. Uh, but Jarrell Cotton's been real good for Oakland. Amir Garrett uh, for Cincinnati. Um, there's a group, Jim, of, of starting pitchers who have had a nice first couple of starts. Of those guys, who do you think maybe has the best chance to sustain that and have a real good rookie season as a starting pitcher? Because that's so tough for pitchers to do a lot of times. It is. Um, you know, the, the, the Rockies guys intrigue me because if we were talking Rockies rookie pitchers, we would have thought probably we'd be talking about Jeff Hoffman before we'd be talking about Freeland and Senzatella. You know, especially Sensatella is a guy who, who had some arm issues last year, some shoulder issues, and didn't really pitch a lot. Uh, but he's always put up numbers throughout the, the Rockies system. You're not wow stuff, but it's, it's, a, it's a good fastball with really good command, and the rest of the package is probably average. You know, Freeland's a former first-round pick who, you know, for, for being the guy who was the number eight pick in the draft by the Rockies, hadn't missed a ton of bats you know, theoretically, you know, working on his changeup and pitching contact and those types of things. And he struck out six and in, in six innings in his first start. Um, but I would probably be foolish to pick a Rockies pitcher for sustained success just because of how difficult it's pitch there. I, I think it might be Jarrell Cotton, who, who's already got one of the best changeups in the big leagues and, you know, has a solid fastball. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the, as many injuries as the, the Dodgers had in their rotation last year, like, they never really, you know, gave Cotton a look in the rotation before they traded him to the A's. But I think it might be Jarrell Cotton might be the the, the best rookie pitcher uh, when all is said and done. And, and you know, Selman of, of the Mets is an interesting guy, too, who, who seems to put up numbers. It, with him, I think it's going to be more, you know, is he going to get the opportunity? You know, the Mets guys, you know, all seem to be of questionable health, or most, most of them, and, and he might surprise us, too. I know you like Garrett a lot, Jonathan, um, the frame and, and what he brings to the table. And that Reds rotation as a whole is is not a strong group. Um, maybe you can make an argument that when all is said and done this year, could he end up maybe putting together one of the best seasons in that rotation for the Reds just because of lack of other competition? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think 
Cotton is probably the guy who, like, maybe from a consistency standpoint, yeah, you could, I could see him being uh, the guy, but you know, the the guy of this group who, at the end of the year, we're like, wow, he had a really solid season, and he may be the kind of guy that you don't even realize it because he's not going to go out and and wow you necessarily. Garrett still has, you know, uh, of the group that's gotten off to good starts, as much upside as any of them. Um, you know, and and as you pointed out to him, it, there isn't anybody who's going to take the job from him unless he really falls flat on his face. Uh, and I don't think he's going to do that. I mean, he's such a good competitor. Um, you know, he, he's not going to go out and throw six shutout innings, only give up two hits every time. But he's still learning how to 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 really pitch. Um, you know, because he split time earlier with college basketball and everything. We've talked about him a few times, but. I think he's going to go out and compete and, 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 and pitch really well for most of the year. Uh, you know, he's shown the last couple of years an ability to soak up innings uh, and, and increase that innings total. So, I, you know, I think he's going to be durable. Uh, obviously, as he approaches, the, you know, uh, uh, past what he's done before, he gets up to about 180 innings. I'll probably have to be careful. But uh, I, I think that he is a guy who has as good a chance, if not better, than anyone of that group. Uh, to to keep it going. All right, we're going to move on to prospects off to great starts. But before we do that, we want to take a second to tell you about the StatCast podcast, a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by Mike Petriello and Matt Myers. And last week, they talked about some early season five-star catches and what we're already learning from a few brand-new StatCast metrics. You can download it on iTunes or wherever else. You get your podcast by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcastpodcast.com. All right, on to the prospects and good starts in the minor leagues, and these are even smaller sample sizes, uh, Jim, than we got from the major league guys. But we're going to focus in on basically the top 50 prospects and guys that you would hope would be off to great seasons and are. And in that group, Yoan Moncada, 370, a couple of home runs. He has struck out a lot, and maybe there's some concern there after all the strikeouts with the Red Sox late in 2016. Gleyber Torres, first taste of double A's, looked good. Ahmed Rosario has looked good, all those middle infielders. Cody Bellinger off to a great start in the Dodgers system. I guess, Jim, none of these guys are surprises, but... Um, is is one of them more impressive than another, or is the fact that some of these guys are playing at a at a new level than they haven't played at in the past impressive? Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, you know, none of these guys are impressive. Uh, you know, like you said, I mean, you can't read too much into, you know, not even a week's worth of games, but you know, the 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 new number one overall prospect in baseball now that Andrew Benintendi graduated is Yohan Mankata and. You know, he hadn't played in AAA before, and as you mentioned, you know, there were strikeout questions and a very brief sample size with Boston in the last year. And, you know, he, he struck out 10 times in six games, but he's also hitting 370 with two homers and two steals. And I think kind of showing everybody, you know, flashes of everything that, that, that make him such a good prospect. And, again, I mean, this guy's still just 21 years old. Um, I, you know, I suspect we'll see him in Chicago at some point, uh, the, the obvious move would be to promote him after you delay his, his free agent and, and arbitration eligibility year. But, uh, you know, for, for what you're going to get excited about the first five or six days, he's really excited me and, and you know, kind of glad to see, I think, 
I just am all in on Cody Bellinger. Not that that takes a lot of conviction to do that, but you know, see Cody Bellinger raking in AAA. I, I still think he's going to force his way into the Dodgers lineup somehow because I, I just think that guy is the best power prospect in baseball, and and he's so good, and I think he's ready, and I think he's going to make an instant impact when he gets a chance. Jonathan, how about you? Some of the other guys, let me throw out there from that top fifty: uh, Raphael De- uh, Dever, Devers, sorry, three seventy-five for the Sox. Uh, Blake Rutherford, who's obviously in the lower levels, but five walks already and three doubles to go with seven strikeouts. So he's worked some counts for sure. Francisco Mejia, the man of the fifty-game hitting streak a year ago, already has five doubles and a over four hundred average. Nick Gordon's off to a nice start, and Francisco Barreto is hitting four fifty-five. Um, so there's some other guys who are really hitting well early in the season. Um, how about you, Jonathan? Just want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I think uh, Barreto is a guy that kind of stands out because, you know, you know. first of all, he's still incredibly young. He's 21 for the entire season. He's in AAA, uh, and he's already got four extra base hits uh, among his 10 hits. And he's a guy who kind of – he's always been a, you know, a highly thought of prospect – but the numbers hadn't always been there, and you know, in, in terms of that. So I think that stands out. And then I think just a sort of trend. You mentioned Blake Rutherford's five walks. There are a couple guys who are, you know, showing that sort of advanced approach. Uh, it shouldn't surprise anyone that Glaber Torres is performing well. Um, but five walks and only two strikeouts. Uh, Vlad Jr. Same deal. Five walks and only two strikeouts. Uh, it's nice to see these guys uh, showing the sort of advanced approaches uh, at the plate, and that's uh, led to the early success that they've had. I'm not even going to really get into the pitching too much because a lot of guys haven't even gotten on the mound yet, but a couple of performances, Kyle Kopech in his first outing, he gave up some runs, but he also struck out 10 in four and a third innings, so at least impressive from the power standpoint and being able to get those strikeouts that we know he can get throwing the ball over 100 miles an hour. Riley Pint, obviously drafted just last year. He went four innings in his first outing, struck out four, and he didn't allow a run, obviously still in the low levels. But for the most part, a lot of the big-name guys have either struggled in their first start and no reason to really get too much into one start from a starting pitcher. So we'll put an end to that, and let's get into the predictions. Like I mentioned off the top, we are already playing baseball in the major leagues, but we're going to make these Predictions based on what we thought before these games got underway. Uh, mine were actually published on Twitter. Jim's are actually up on the pipeline inbox. Jonathan's are not published, so he's the only one who could get away with lying here. But we have a lot of faith in you, Jonathan. So Thanks. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Let's start in the American League and, and work our way to the National League. We'll go division by division, and then we'll just pick World Series teams and winners. I don't need a breakdown of who's going to beat who in the playoffs in each league. But American League East, I have the Blue Jays, despite them being off to the worst start in franchise history. I just think the pitching depth is going to be good, and something about this Red Sox team just concerns me. I think they'll reach the postseason, but for whatever reason, even though they're a lot of people's picks, I think the Blue Jays end up winning the East. Jim, who do you have in the East? I had it the other way around. I had the Red Sox winning the East. Uh, you know, Even with the... 
David Price injury, and you wonder if Porcello can duplicate what he did last year. They did add Chris Sale. I think I, I still like their rotation better than Toronto's. And, and I just think Toronto's going to miss Edwin Encarnacion, although you could also say that the Red Sox might miss Big Poppy a little bit too. But I, I just like the Red Sox depth uh, of that lineup, although it doesn't seem like injuries have been very kind to them early on. But I, I will stick with my Boston pick in the East. Jonathan? Yeah, I, I went in the same direction as you, Tim. I've got the Blue Jays winning the East and the Red Sox as the top wild card. I think it's probably going to come down to the wire. So it's it's just going to be a question, you know, which, whichever team doesn't quite eke out the division title is going to end up in that top wild card spot from the AL East. It's the first time in a kind of a number of years that it does seem like a smaller race in the American League East. The Yankees have obviously uh, gone young, and that rotation has all kinds of problems. The Orioles, to me, don't have enough starting pitching to go with a very good bullpen, and, and the Rays don't have enough offense, maybe. It seems like usually we're talking about three or four teams in the East, and this year it just feels like maybe a two-team race, but we will see. Who knows? All those other teams, if things went right, could certainly still be in the discussion. The AL Central, I have to believe we're all going to have the same idea here, and I'll go with the defending American League champs, the Indians. Um, the pitching is healthy again. Michael Brantley is back to go with that lineup, and, and they add Edwin Encarnacion, who hasn't been great so far, but at some point he's going to be a big bat in that lineup. To me, it's not even going to be close in the Central. I think the Indians run away with it. Jim, is anybody going to contend with Cleveland? No, I, I was going to say, I thought that was the easiest division to pick. Uh, I, I think that's easily Cleveland. Jonathan? Yep, same. I mean, there's isn't really anything to add. I just don't. Uh, combination of them being the class of the division and <clears throat> the rest of the division, there isn't even anyone there that I strongly considered for a wild card spot. Yeah, and the one team that's gotten off to an okay start um, and, and played some decent baseball is the Tigers. But the bullpen, they've done it despite that bullpen which every time the starter comes out of the game, I think the entire uh, state of Michigan just kind of starts holding their breath because it's <laughs> one after another. And then you hope you could even just get to the closer and it would be safe, but K-Rod has been uh, white knuckles all the way so far this season as well. All right, out west, probably the best race we're going to see in the American League as far as a lot of teams involved. Um, I'm going to go with the, the popular pick, I guess, and that's the Houston Astros. Um, a lot of teams, the Mariners are better, the Angels are better, the Rangers are still good, but I think the Astros end up winning the division in the end in a close race. Jim? A lot of consensus here. Uh, I not only agree with you about the Astros, I agree with you that's a deep division. I actually picked both the Rangers and Mariners to win wild cards, although with the Mariners off to a 2-7 and seven start, that's not great, although I think my next pick would have been the Blue Jays who are 1-6. So obviously a lot of baseball to be played, but I think we could see three playoff teams from the AL West. Jonathan? I, I decided to be a little different, and uh, and I went with the Mariners to win the West. I uh, I just think that they you know, they, they were sort of surprisingly, they surprisingly hung around last year. Uh, I think they made some, some interesting additions. I think guys are going to make some improvements, uh, and I think that pitching staff is going to hold together or not. All right. As far as the wild cards go, um, I said I had Boston. I also have Seattle. Part of that is just me selfishly rooting for the Mariners because I've never been to Safeco Field or been to the city of Seattle, and if they could make their way to a league championship series, I might get to go and, and cover it and, and see that city and that ballpark. But whatever, it's a chance. Uh, Jim, you have You Texas could go there and on vacation. <laughs> you, 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 you don't have to have MLB pay for your trip, Tim. Come on. I know, I know. But anyway, there's no uh, current plan for a vacation to Seattle, although maybe someday. <laughs> uh, Jim, you said Texas and Seattle. 
I believe, Correct. right, out of the West. And, Jonathan, you have the Red Sox. Who's your second wild card? Rangers are my second wild card. I, I agree with your guys' assessment that the AL West is pretty strong this year. All right, let's move on to the National League. Uh, National League East, I'm going with the Mets over the Nationals. Um, just if the pitching stays healthy, I think it's enough to get them there despite the outfield defense. But I'll start with you on the National League, Jonathan. Who do you like in the NL East? I, uh, I think you and I have been on the same, same page more often than not, Tim. I picked the, the Mets over the Nationals as well uh, for, the same, for the same reason. I do think that the, the pitching will, will stay together. You know, they showed even last year with guys like DeSalman uh, like and Lugo that even if it's not the big names, uh, they had some, some depth to, to help them out. Jim? I'm going to dissent. I, I went with the Nationals. I like their lineup better than the Mets, and I, I worry a little bit about the Mets being able to keep all that pitching healthy. And I like the Nationals' pitching depth as well. So I, I did have the Mets as a wild card. I think it will be close, but I, I like the Nationals. The Nationals. In the Central, I'm going to go with the defending champs. Why not? The Cubs, they're certainly uh, still very good, still the favorites there, so I'll keep it easy. Now, Jonathan, yeah, you got you got the Pirates there. You're in Pittsburgh, so... Do you go with the yeah, Cubs? No, Do you go I with the, I mean, I'm, you know. I, mean I'm, I know I, I, I might lean Homer uh, <laughs> on occasion on this podcast, but not in this case. I just don't see uh, how the Cubs don't win, uh, win their second straight division title. Same, Jim? Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, and I'm not a homer despite living in Chicago because I didn't grow up here, but I just think on paper it, it's, you know, you could come up with ways things that could go wrong. I mean, uh, you know, maybe they have some pitching injuries and, and they're short on stuff. But even if that happens, I, I think they go out and they they have the ammunition in terms of prospects and young players to go out and make trades if they need to. I just can't envision a realistic scenario in which the Cubs don't win that division. All right, in the West, also not a big surprise. I'll go Dodgers. Obviously, the Giants are are always a contender. Uh, the Diamondbacks are off to a, a great start, although I'm not sure that can be sustained. Uh, and the Rockies are are a team that should be improved a little bit. But I'll go Dodgers. How about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I, I went with the Dodgers too. I think that's uh, they're a very talented team, and for me, they're the the one team in the National League on paper that could challenge the the Cubs come postseason time. Uh, you know, it seems like the two West divisions might be the deepest divisions uh, because I think, uh, you know, as you said, the Giants always hang around. And, you know, I, I think some of those those teams, I think the Rockies and the Diamondbacks will be a little more competitive maybe than some people thought. Jim? I, I agree with all that. I had Dodgers win the division. I have the Giants as a wild card. I think the Diamondbacks and Rockies can be more competitive than people think. I, I think the Diamondbacks have a – well, they struggled last year. It was a year where kind of everything went wrong, and they, they have a pretty good nucleus. If you, if you get Granke back on track, and you have Paul Goldschmidt, and you have A.J. Pollock, you know, it's not a bad nucleus to build around. And I think the Rockies' young pitchers and, and young talent overall, it's pretty impressive. I, I think when we were podcasting going into last season, I, I didn't think the Rockies necessarily had the best farm system in baseball, but I did think they had the deepest farm system in baseball. And at least I'll stick to that story. That's why I ranked Trevor's story 11th on that prospect list going into last year for the Rockies. But uh, I just think they have a lot of young talent, and I think teams with a ton of young talent sometimes sneak up on people a little bit. So I, I'm not picking either the Dimebacks or Rockies to make the playoffs, but I do think, as Jonathan said, they're going to be they, they could surprise some people and, and maybe hang in the race a lot longer than, than expected. Wild cards. I mentioned I'm going Nationals, um, which is obviously not a not a tough pick at all when I take the Mets to win the division. I'm also going to go with the Pirates, and 
That's the one that maybe I'm questioning a little bit now. Uh, Jonathan, I really thought McCutcheon was going to have a bounce back here. He's not off to that kind of a start, but he's usually a slow starter. Um, I thought that Glasnow eventually and Tyone would, would be big in the rotation to help them. So I took the Pirates to get back to the playoffs as a wild card. Did you do that? I did not. Uh, I figured you didn't. Um, I went the Giants and the Nationals as my two wild card. Uh, I thought about it. I, I think that uh, if those things come together, and they might, uh, the Pirates will be there. And I think they're they'll they're going to be competitive. I think they're the second. They'll likely to be the second best team in in the National League Central uh, when all is said and done. Uh, Tyon has gotten off to a very good start. Uh, I, I, you know, I think he might be the best pitcher in the rotation right now. With all due respect to Garrett Cole, and I was kind of hopeful that you know McCutcheon playing in the World Baseball Classic that that would kind of get his engine going a little bit sooner. It hasn't happened yet, um, but you know, based on what he did at the you know at the tail end of last year, where he kind of actually put up more McCutcheon-like numbers, uh, didn't offset the year as a whole, but it was better. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I think it'll be fine. But uh, there are just a few too many ifs um, in, in terms of uh, the back half of the Pirates rotation and, and some of the question marks in the lineup for me to, to, to go all in this year. Jim, I know you have the Giants as one. Who's wild card team number two? I had the Mets. Um, I mean, so like you guys, I had the Giants and then the team I had to finish in second in NL East. Uh, and I agree with all that, that Pirates analysis. Uh uh, you know, I, I you know I think Pirates, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Rockies are probably the other four teams, but you know things are going to have to break right for those clubs uh, to to get a wild card. All right, finally, we're just going to go straight World Series. Who is going to beat who in the World Series? And this is the one spot where I went out on a limb a little bit. I'm actually going to take the Indians over the Dodgers in the World Series, so Cleveland will get yet another title in this, their quickly improving uh, history of of championships. Uh, Jonathan. Who you got? Yeah, I've sort of been going back and forth on this one. Um, and uh, I think I'm actually going to flip what you just said. Um, and uh, I'm going to have the Dodgers beat the Indians. So the Indians will be uh, bridesmaids once again. Uh, but uh, with, the, with the Dodgers uh, bringing the World Series back to Los Angeles. Jim? I know this is going to be hard to envision, but I have the Cubs beating the Indians. Who would have thought that in the World Series? So, very original <laughs> prediction for me. So the old uh, repeat World Series and repeat outcome. That would certainly be interesting. And, hey, I, everybody enjoyed last year's World Series. So if they could, those teams could get together again and, and kind of produce something that somewhat lives up to what they did a year ago, that would certainly be some exciting baseball. Although I wonder if the Cubs at what point fans in the nation get tired of the Cubs being good. They've been bad for over 100 years. They finally won a World Series. How long does it take for people to get sick of the Cubs? Only time well, you know, it, it, Tim, I mean, what that, what, what my, and I think people already are getting sick of them. I heard people complaining about how long the, the World Series ceremony went on the other night, but it, it's like when the Red Sox won. Even up here, yeah, yeah, I keep hearing the, the, the stupid thought, oh, it's not going to be the same being a Cubs fan now that they won. They, they aren't the lovable losers. Oh, they're, you know, now, now they're, you know, like some kind of evil empire because they're spending money. And, uh, you know, any team that wins the World Series is going to celebrate it and the fans are going to enjoy it and people who don't like that team aren't going to enjoy watching it. But uh, I think people already started to turn on the Cubs a little bit. Doesn't take long, but that's the way sports goes, I guess. And David Ross being on Dancing with the Stars probably not helping either. 
um, as far as just flooding everything, social media and everything with Cubs, Cubs, Cubs. But we will see how it goes, and we will uh, we will see how these predictions pan out. I'm going to uh, keep them, fellas. We'll we'll take a look back at them come October and see how we did. I think last year I said I was going to do that, and then somehow I deleted the file at some point in like July or August. Convenient. This year I will not only save it, but I will send copies out. So. We will take yeah. a look back. But that'll do it for this edition of the Pipeline Podcast. It was a lot of fun, and we'll see how these sample sizes continue as far as the prospects and rookies go as the season goes. And I know you guys are working hard on the draft list, 1 through 100, which is going to be unveiled later this month. So keep an eye on MLBPipeline.com for that as well. This has been the Pipeline Podcast. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. <laughs>